Hi, this is Dennis from 10 Foot Pole, and you're listening to 25,000 Miles Radio Show. One help me with a brand new app I'm lost in conversations I can't tell exactly What people mean By the words they say I can't judge the tone I just can't relate Your soothing voice can prop me back up Then knock me down show thank you thanks for having me yeah 10 foot pole has a new album coming out october 9th um which we will get to but to start uh i've been asking all of our guests this how are you doing with covid19 because i know it seems to be different for everybody right now 
yeah, I mean, some some days are better than others, and um, I, I'm kind of a social distancer by nature, I guess. I, I moved to Idaho, so I live <laughs> I live like in my own private Idaho. My my wife's family is from here, and so um, there was cheap land. So I, I went from Los Angeles, which was like millions and millions of people and lots of job opportunities and great weather, up into Idaho, where I live, kind of out in the boonies, and um, I have dogs and uh, like a little bit of grass to mow and stuff and uh, I guess my point there is I was social distancing before it was cool <laughs> oh, well there you go nice but no um I I I you know I, I worried right at the beginning I got sick I had a cough and uh was real sick for about a week and but they weren't testing at the time and so uh I don't know whether I had it or not but I just kind of like kind of went through all that in my head of like you know just kind of coming to terms with things and thinking about what's important to me. And, um, right away I decided to, you know, really devote a lot of time to finishing this acoustic album, which, which I had been working on. And, um, originally I wasn't, um, going to mix it. I was just going to, um, send, um, the tracks. I was going to record it at home, but then send the tracks to a, a pro. And, um, I, I am a sound engineer, but I'm a live sound engineer for concerts and, things like for Prince and Weird Al Yankovic and Jimmy Eat World and bands like that. Yeah, I was, I was um, going to ask about it, but you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can get into more detail later, but I guess my, my point there is I'm, I'm pretty good at getting good sound fast, kind of under duress, but it's different when you're making a record because there's um, you have more control over things and you also need to make it sound good out of different kinds of speakers and to different people and, and different places. And, and so I... Um, I, I tried to commit to mixing my first record. And, um, and so I used that time where I, as a sound engineer, I couldn't work. I mean, there's no events. There still really aren't many events. There's very few actual job opportunities for people who do live production. That's a lot of people. So there's a lot of people who are still unemployed and, or, or finding alternate employment. And, um, so I just focused big time on this acoustic record and, um, and so that got me through a few months without really even thinking about what was going on in the world. I was just like, like 12 hours a day making a record. And, um, and I think it sounds really good. So I'm real proud of myself for doing it. And now I'm working on a rock record. So, but still, you know, some days uh, are better than others. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I know for some people, uh, depending on where they live, it's like, it's bad. Like you can't really do too much. Yeah. People here don't, uh, I mean, the, the, some of the bars and things were closed down for a while and things were tight for a while. Um, people here don't take it as seriously as I wish they would, because if people don't take it seriously, then the numbers don't go down. And then there's no way I can work. Like right now, 10 foot pole is planning um, tours in Europe next summer and possibly Canada and across Canada. Like maybe I'll do an acoustic tour. Like I'm planning all these things, assuming that I can even get into Canada. But yeah. right now, the Amer American numbers are so high, they won't let Americans in. And same with Europe. So, um, yeah, that's so hopefully. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point that you bring up. Like, even getting into a country, even if you have a tour planned and it, it, it goes through, getting into the uh, another country might be super challenging. Yeah, yeah. just currently, because the numbers are so high. And, like, um, and, and people here don't seem to take it that seriously or don't seem to think about it or worry about it, but the people who are doing shows and want to tour and musicians um, like we need those numbers to go down in order to have those opportunities. Um, so 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm planning and hoping for the best, but, you know, kind of preparing for the worst just in case, but trying to push forward. And, you know, if, if everything gets canceled next year because things are still rough, then I'll just deal with it then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we, we already kind of touched on this, but um, the new album is coming out October 9th. Um, and this is something, uh, is this something that you guys planned or was it, or did this record, was it something that you could do during COVID? And you kind of, you kind of answered it. Both. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I had planned it and was working on it. I've had it in the back of my mind for a long time and had already, yeah, it had already been well underway before, um, before the pandemic hit. And, um, so I'm a sound engineer for other acts. And so I tour a lot sometimes for months at a time. And um, I didn't really enjoy carrying around an electric guitar. So I started carrying around an acoustic guitar and playing. And, and I just found that I really loved it. Like I, I didn't, at first I didn't think, you know, punk songs with an acoustic guitar kind of that I could go anywhere with it or that anyone would care. But then I started playing more and more, like even on sidewalks to strangers and got positive feedback a little bit. And so I even started doing little shows and like in South America, I had the first shows, I think like in uh, Santiago and, and um, Buenos Aires and, and it went great. And um, so it turned into like, I did a whole acoustic tour in, um, in East Canada, just more or less like when I do acoustic, it's, it's often just me or if I can have other band members, I do. And, um, and it went really great. So I, I've just had it in my mind that, in between a couple of rock records, I would try to do a 10 foot pole acoustic record and it's about half new songs and half um, previously released songs that are, but they're kind of drastically reimagined, I guess, if you will. (laughs) Like some of the fastest songs are now slow and some of the slower songs are, are more like rocking or just different. And um, so I, I ended up, we ended up with an album that's really interesting. It's called Simmer Down and it's the first record that I've, that I'm producing Like I'm actually just, I took total, that's why I keep saying I did this and I did that. Is it this record really is my baby in the past. We always had producers or at least co-produced, but in this case, it's like, it was just me with the other guys and, and asking them to do things. And if I didn't like something, we, we tried something else and I had the guys just keeps, but it's, but they were all my decisions. So if you hate the record, it's my fault. (laughs) Yeah. You're putting your name all over it. Have you, uh, do, are you able to play a uh, sarcasm decoder is the one song that's out um, already. Yes, yeah. I'll be able to play that one for sure. Nice. And then, and then tomorrow actually, um, scars comes out, which is the second single from the record, the record. So simmer down comes out October 9th, but, but a couple of two or three songs are going to come out before then. And sarcasm decoder is already out. It's a brand new one. That's pretty aggressive. Scars is, was an aggressive rock song. And now it's, um, kind of this beautiful uh melancholy thing that really features our drummer singing these smooth vocals back oh. backing vocals <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah, tomorrow's the day the of truth because <laughs> yeah. all these old punks that like skate punk and like just play it fast all of a sudden it's going to be this really mellow version of this rock song and and so I'm expecting a bit of punishment from some trolls, you know but what, I, but I, <laughs> you know what I've, I've been finding is some, some bands have been doing like acoustic stuff and it's been going over really well. So I don't know. If yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, I've done it, but a lot of times when I did it live, I just kind of strummed it the same way I would on the rock songs and like kept the songs fast. Whereas 
a lot of these are kind of totally reimagined like scars is very different i'm playing these guitar arpeggios and it's really kind of like i try to make it just beautiful like i've done sound for back and like artists that that make just gorgeous music and i was a little jealous i was like i'd like to to try that yeah for sure in fact in fact one time prince asked me if i made records and i said no and he goes well you should and um so finally i did it like i finally found a band who was uh willing to um let me do it because it's me <laughs> yeah hey that's that's awesome this album will be a combo of old songs uh new yep. ones uh which i think is an, uh nice for an acoustic album because people get to hear some of their favorites just done in a different way but also there's yeah. there's there's new songs um was that the plan or is that just the way that it kind of went down? No, that, that was the plan. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I, you know, for anyone to really care about 10 foot pole, we need our fans to like it. And so I, I threw, you know, I basically threw some treats out there for the fans to see some old songs and go like, Oh, I wonder how, you know, like, like my wall, we did a piano. It's just piano and vocal and, and um, broken bubble is kind of more straightforward acoustic version of a rock song. But yeah, I definitely, like we did ADD and we did uh, The Getaway with cellos on The Getaway. It, it, the Getaway sounded sounds really good, but also different and um, really melancholy. And uh, and I love it. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll just be honest. Like we, we wanted our fans to be interested and to, you know, care about it. So we put the old songs on, but I really highly prefer playing the new ones just because I've played the old ones some of them for 20 years and um so it was exciting to it was exciting to write new ones and then the old ones we did do were different enough to make it fun like it wasn't just kind of you know phoning it in it was it was like how can we and like for example on the getaway um on the rock version it goes to make a getaway and then or uh or i can't remember how it goes now all of a sudden but on the on the um acoustic version I basically change the chords underneath it and keep going a getaway, a getaway. Like I, I don't know. I can't do it justice by singing. Here. I, know, I, know, <laughs> I know. I know the original version, but this version, no. And basically, at the end of the chorus, I just keep singing a getaway, but in with different chords going under it, and it just makes it sound really melancholy. You know. Um, anyway, what. On October 9th, you'll know what I mean. Suffice it to say that at the end of the day, when I, when I played it that way, it just made me want to play the song over and over again. And, and that it's important uh, for, for an artist. I mean, I, I know the goal is to please people, the fans and, and new people, but I think it's also important for artists to love what they're doing. And, um, and I did like once, once I changed that, like, it just opened up the whole song. Like it just turned it into this sad song that was like, um, pull, you know, pulling at something emotionally. And then when we added cellos, it's all over. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> I mean, that, that would keep it pretty fresh too. Cause I mean, the reality is when you play a song over and over and over and over and over, you kind of, you know, get sick of it sometimes. But I mean, I guess if you're doing it like in a new way like that, it would just make it fresh again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, I'm really proud of the record. So I, I hope people like it. I, I figure, I mean, this isn't like the punkest version of these songs, but I just wanted to make something that was really like just beautiful and pretty. When I play live, I probably will still do like kind of punk versions of real aggressive. Like I stand up and I rock out and, and scream, 
but on the record, I just wanted it to be easy on the ears where you could just listen to the whole record and, and, um, have it be relaxed. So I hope, I don't know, but I, I hope that people like it enough to where I can, um, cruise around and play house parties. That's, that's my retirement plan. Like as I get older, as I get too old to be a sound engineer and just don't want to tour anymore like that and, um, lift heavy gear into trucks. I like, I bought a tour van. I mean, I'm still making crazy payments on it, but, um, I have a tour van and acoustic guitars and I want to kind of just cruise around and be like Johnny Cash meets Henry Rollins, like telling stories, but then playing songs. And, uh, and so I've done it in a few places, but, um, hopefully this, this album will bring in more people to where I could just drive like two hours or three hours to the next show and, and just play in somebody's backyard. That'd be awesome. And, and if, if it's just me, then all it takes is maybe 30 people or something to make it, um, you know, financially like me not lose money on it. And, um, anyway, that's my dream. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but I want to go back and forth. Like when I get bored with rock, then I switch over to acoustic and, um, just by doing that acoustic for the last year, I really missed the distorted guitar. So for the last few weeks, I've been writing lots and lots of um, fast songs for the next Tempo Pole record, Ooh. which we hope to have out in the spring or something. So awesome. I think it's worked. Like, like flipping back and forth, like soft, loud, soft, loud. Sure, yeah. You got you to gotta play something loud to appreciate something soft, and you got to play something soft to appreciate something loud. Yeah. And, and on the bigger, on, in the bigger picture, it just makes it more sustainable. Like if I get, if I just get tired of noise and drum bashing and, and distorted guitar, then I just, you know, hang out with an acoustic guitar for a while. And it, and it just, I can still play and have songs that, um, but, but it's just a different fresh approach that, that makes it doable. Cause sometimes like, like if you have a new record, I mean, not, it's not like tempo pole is big enough to do that, but some bands, you know, tour for a year or two on a record and it just gets like, my attention span doesn't last that long.
I meant no harm My gas pedals to the floor I always did things my own way Never cared what the experts say Okay, so usually after, after somebody releases an album, there's, you know, there's tour dates, but uh, clearly that's not happening right now. But uh, do you have any guesses? I know you talked about uh, you have some summer tour plans for 2021, but do you have any guesses of when you think things are going to get back to normal for, for touring and live shows? Um, no, I, 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 there's so many different complex factors that I can't even really say. I mean... I, I will say that at least where I am, I'm disappointed when I see big groups of people who don't seem to be kind of worried about it at all. Cause it just seems like the less they worry, the longer it's going to take for things to get normal. Um, you know, with school, with school in session and with winter coming, I expect there's going to be a, like an increase in things. And then, but then, I mean, basically what happens is when things get bad, more people get sick or pass away. And then, then people realize it's real and might take it seriously. So like at first in my area, nobody would even wear masks like, like anywhere except a few paranoid people like me. I was the only one at my work wearing a mask. Yeah. I know how you feel. And then, and then at my work, I, I, well, my locally, I, I was working at a bar where a, a band played like three or four nights a week. That was a cover band and they rock. And, uh, at my work, the owner almost died. And so now everyone wears it. And so, you know, I think that with that understanding, it, then it gets it away from that political thing of like, oh, I'm going to make a political statement by wearing a mask or not. It turns it more into like, no, I just, you know, want my grandma and grandpa to not die or whatever, you know, like that. that's how I hope, uh, you know, more and more people as it gets worse, basically, I think it'll get better. What do I know? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like it's a numbers game, really. At this point, it's just it's just transmission. It's just math. And, um, you know. But and maybe they'll come up with a good vaccine and maybe people will actually take it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some people will, but, you know, enough to get the desired effect. Yeah, because some, you know, when this first started, they said no concerts till 2021. And now I hear, you know, beginning of 2021 is kind of a no go right now. So, yeah, I mean, my, my next job. Yeah, I, I have a job lined up. I won't say with who, but uh, my next job is planned for September of 2021. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, and that, that artist, I think, is thinking very like, well, there's no point in planning it sooner because it's not likely to be. And that still could get pushed. Yeah. So I'm I'm willing to take more risks than that artist is. So I'm planning. I'm tentative plan is cross Canada in April on my way to Quebec playing acoustic shows 
then rehearse the band in May, June and play some shows in Quebec. And then we have summer tour in Europe and maybe I'll go there first and play acoustic shows. So yeah, that's kind, kind of a tentative plan. Waters. Yeah. I, I don't even know how many shows we have booked. My, my booking agent won't, won't tell me. I don't know yeah. what's going on. Probably good because then I won't like let the cat out of the bag on festivals where we're not supposed to let him know first. But we've had a few festivals just announced. So that's kind of exciting. But And those are in a kind of roughly early August. But anyway, that's that's my plan. Like kind of plan for April-ish and see if it can happen. And even then, those are like probably backyard parties. Like, so, yeah. you know, just, just play in somebody's backyard. And if 30 or 40 people are there, I'd be stoked. Yeah. Just wear a I'd mask. Just make my way across Canada. <laughs> yeah. My, my drummer's in Quebec City and my guitar player has a girlfriend in Quebec City. So, so the goal there is to rehearse the 10 foot pole band because we live thousands of miles apart. The, the goal is to rehearse them so that when we go to Europe, we don't suck. Oh, yeah. Well, so, yeah. I mean, sometimes that's the way it rolls. <laughs> it looks like yeah, this is yeah. the practice. Well, I, I try to rehearse the guys, but it's just so expensive to get everyone together. But if I'm able to like play my way across Canada and drive the tour van, you know, then it's fun and interesting. And and I bring all the gear to the guys. So I'm that's the plan. Hopefully it'll work out. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. If not this year, maybe he gets <laughs> pushed to next year. Yeah. I mean, uh, 2022. <laughs> this is the question I wanted to ask you. So not only are you a musician in a band, but you are a sound engineer and you have a pretty impressive resume with the bands that you've um, done sound for. So yeah, like just, just to Prince. name a few, Prince, <laughs> Alice in Chains, AFI, Black Flag, No Effects, Beck, The Go-Go's, Weird Al, and now... Oh, you saw my website, wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> so how does one go from playing guitar in 10-foot pole to getting all these connections doing sound for all these bands? Ah, it actually... Well, it might have gone in reverse. I actually was a sound engineer first, and then oh. I became a guitar player in 10-foot pole. Right. I don't know about a sound engineer. I'm a third-generation sound engineer, my, my grandfather was the sound engineer at the Richmond Auditorium in California. Um, by, what, what city are you in? Where, where uh, are you located? I'm in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. Oh, that's right. Oh, Salmon Arm, yeah. So um, you know that we have a bass player. Did you, are you going to ask that? Or? Yeah, I, well, I was going to. I'll, I'll save that question for ahead, later. You but go just, ahead and say it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah since we're saying it, um, Glenn Murray was from Salmon Arm, British Columbia, and he played bass in 10-foot pole. Uh, he played on Insider, and he toured with us through Australia and uh, I think a Millen Collin tour and the the um, 1999 tours of Insider. Like we did maybe 130 shows in the spring when Insider came out. That is crazy and, uh, yeah. to me. Just like just <laughs> the pride of Salmon Arm. <laughs> well, you know, I I heard that like I heard that you said that, and I was like, what? And so I like I tried to find him. <laughs> like, is, yeah. does this guy still live here? He's in Vancouver. Yeah. I think he's a he's a real estate agent now. He he did have a messenger service called something like Phantom Messenger. Um, I think his band was called Dead Surf Kiss. Is that a, a Canadian band, Dead Surf Kiss, or mm. something? Doesn't ring a bell. For Be, me. Before he was in Ten Foot Pole, he was in some band that was big in Canada, but I hadn't heard of him. And um, but anyway, in in Ten Foot Pole, if anyone's seen the shirt that says "Latex is my business" and "Business is good," and it has a picture of this kind of shady-looking guy in a '70s-looking hotel room, 
that's Glenn Murray, and he's from Salmon Arm, British Columbia. And <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so where was I? Oh, we were talking about oh, so sound engineer. So anyhow, my grandfather was a sound engineer um, and the president of a union of the IATSE in uh, Richmond, California. And uh, when I was a little kid, I would go up and hang out with him and do sound for high school graduations, which were in the auditorium where he, he was in charge of sound. And he would sleep while I was mixing the uh, graduation when I was 11 years old. And then my dad was a defense contractor, like made inertial navigation systems and things. But on the side, he had this film business and we started doing more and more audio, especially as, as I was more interested in audio. So, um, so we had speakers in my garage and I started figuring out how things worked when I was about 11 and um, just rocking the, the local neighborhood. And so over the years, that sound company was kind of my base to getting other sound jobs. And I kind of developed a reputation and worked in clubs and things. And um, so, yeah, all the different um, all the different jobs I had with different acts came through various kind of word of mouth or somebody saw me. Like in the case of Prince, he saw me mixing at a club, liked what he heard. And, you know, it wasn't kind of instant. It was just kind of gradual. Like he brought me over to his place and, and uh, did some rehearsals and you know, the shows kind of got bigger and bigger until all of a sudden we were at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Man, that's crazy, you know, just like, yo, I like your stuff. Yeah, thanks, Prince. <laughs> yeah, actually, he rarely said I like your stuff. It was more like, well, I, I don't I don't want to use up all my Prince stories. I got to save those for the acoustic tours. Oh, but, man, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was one day, there was one day, I'll tell one little, a short one, where um, after this particularly taxing rehearsal, I said to the bass player when we were on our way back to the hotel, we were in uh, Minneapolis, and and I said, um, Prince told me, it was really weird, Prince told me it sounded good, and he goes, don't worry, Denny, he'll take that back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what, like, working was like, like, you know, like a roller coaster of emotions and things. Like, you always knew you could get fired at any moment, because he was famous. He had fired guys, like, before they even did anything. He just, like, took one look at somebody and said, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't like the look of this guy. No. Yeah, yeah, and, and and it really might be something like that. Like, um, our uh, our guitar tech at the time, Vince Dennis, who plays in um, Ice T's band, Body Count. Oh, nice. Um, Prince would give him a hard time about tattoos he had on his fingers. You know, and it's like Vince is like, you know, I'll wear whatever you want me to wear. He wore this really nice suit, and he's like, but you know, what can I do? I mean, these are tattoos, like. You know, I can't wear gloves or I won't be able to feel the guitar. Because you have all of this uh, experience with sound, when you do play live and someone's doing sound for you, do you ever get, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, like, yo, man, you gotta, you gotta jack that up or you gotta lower that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I I try to, I try to stay in artist mode because if, um, if my mind gets too busy with the technical stuff, it, it's kind of weird. It's like um, sometimes I do it well, but there have been times when there was like serious technical issues, like at a festival or something, and I had to go into full sound man mode. And um, it's probably not good for the band, for the audience to see me just like, you know, taking over and being a tech. Um, and it sounds silly because in punk, you'd think that everyone's all cool and, you know, that it'd be good to be working class. But for whatever reason, it's hard for me to get back into the artist vibe if I've been like helping the sound guys figuring out the cabling of the monitors, but you know, you got to do what you got to do to 
get it going. Like if there's really a serious problem, yeah. um, you know, I'll jump in and, you know, obvi- obviously I'm, I'm capable of things, but there's also not um, a computer. Th- these days, mixing boards are kind of computers essentially. So it takes a while to figure out what somebody's done. You know, there's layers and layers of stuff. So um, I try not to get involved unless something's really rough. And, uh, but I'll, yeah, I'll, like if something, like if there's like, say there's some feedback or something going on, I might say something to the front of house person because maybe they don't hear it. And if I know, hey, there's a low frequency rumble at 80 hertz, I might just be like, oh, you know, hey, Lee, there's a there's a little 80 hertz here up on stage, you know. And and it's true that, like, as a sound engineer out in the house, he might not hear it, but I'm standing right over the subwoofer, so I'm all I hear might be, and it's hard to sing in pitch when that tone is not, like kind of in tune with what we're playing <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah how often would that happen probably not that often that it'd be like not, the, not very like, much yeah but i have come in and saved the day a few times where um where it was really handy that i had some skills um just random things like you know somebody worked for three hours i didn't know what the problem was but they, they didn't know how to make the their digital snake talk to their board and and i went over and and was able to you know figure it out within a few minutes not not that i even knew what i was doing but i kind of knew what to look for and and then boom we were able to get it i didn't know that that was even a problem i thought that they had like forgot some cables or something it was like oh we got to go back to the shop and like hours later we're like hey we really should do sound check because doors are about to open and they're like well we don't have the pa going yet and um and then i got involved and then it was kind of like you know boom yeah but luckily for me, it was boom and not like, okay, cancel the show because the PA doesn't work <laughs> on a rock show. You know, on acoustic show, I would just go for it. But. A very important album to me was the Punkoramas. Yeah. And the first time I ever heard 10 Foot Pole were on the Punkorama. Um, mm-hmm. Was that a, an important album for you guys being on the Punkoramas? Like, did you, did your fan base? Yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't have heard of us. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just, that's one person. <laughs> well, but you're not alone. I mean, that that's the thing is... Um, you know, I, the same way I feel about Simmer Down, which is, I think, like, the music is, is quality, and people will like it if they hear it. So how do you get people to hear your music? And that's that's the hardest thing about being in a band. Like, people think the hardest thing is making good songs, and, and that's super important. But if you have good songs, but you have no marketing, no one's tr- listening to them, then you also don't go anywhere. And um, so it was really... Um, it was great for us to be on Epitaph and have that, like, while things were exploding and people were checking out new stuff and, and compilations. And we were on a bunch of, um, like, snowboarding videos and, uh, you know, Matt Hoffman BMX and just all kinds of stuff, like surf and snowboard videos that, that liked that kind of music. And um, and it was huge for us. I mean, it, that kind of exponentially drove record sales and got people interested and, and, and there is nothing like it these days that, that we can do or have control over. And we didn't really have control over that either. It was kind of luck, really. We just happened to be at the right place at the right time with, a, with music people liked awesome. on a label that was hot, you know, yeah. with, with a style of music that was hot. And it was just, you know, luckily for us, we were there. And, and uh, right around that time, we went on a tour with No Effects and Face to Face that was a national tour. And that was, you know, huge for us, too. Yeah. And touring with bands like that, that, that helps. Yeah, yeah. What is the motivation, do you think, for musicians to keep going and to keep moving on? Because it's it's a hard road. 
It's a hard road, and yeah. sometimes motivation can go down. So, yeah, what do you think the motivation is? Have you seen the film The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke? No. You should. Okay. It's, um, <laughs> I did a little print there. You should. Um, <laughs> have you ever made a record, Denny? <laughs> you should. Um, well, I'll, I'll explain it in terms of what happens. And so in The Wrestler, Mickey Rourke plays a wrestler who, you know, was, was popular at one time and played to some big crowds. And wrestling has just gone really downhill. And, and his profile as a wrestler, he's older, he's not famous anymore. And, and so he's with his friends who do these wrestling tournaments in like um, veterans of foreign war uh, halls and stuff like just he's like in rec rooms, you know, doing it, setting, doing all this work, setting up these things and playing to like 200 people. You know, it's not stadiums. It's like a couple hundred people. And and uh, he's all beat up from all the years of doing it. And so he's got to take painkillers all the time because he's just just ruined. And so he tries to retire and um, he ends up in a uh, delicatessen. I can't remember if it was a family business or what, but he's making sandwiches and stuff. And essentially, he goes nuts there because he can't. He just really misses the wrestling thing, and and um, and you know, so much so that he basically sacrifices his health to go back and do it, knowing that the medications and stuff are, are gonna are gonna end him you know, soon. So I don't want to give the whole thing away, but that that's basically the vibe is like, once you've had some positive experiences like that, um, like people singing your songs, you know, whether it's a thousand people or 20 people, there's just something amazing about that. It's like magical. And, um, and it's hard to let go of that. And so that for me, that's my motivation is not only that feeling, but also feeling like I want to write songs that are better. Like I just, I want to step it up a notch. Like I've always loved music and there's something about music that it doesn't matter how good you are technically. It just matters if the song's interesting and fun to listen to. And, um, you know, there's, there's people who write very, very simple songs, which are just amazing. And because of that factor, that like kind of magical, it either has it or it doesn't. Um, it just makes me want to keep trying. makes me want to, you know, if I keep writing songs, maybe one out of, a hundred are going to be something I'm just super proud of. And if I keep playing shows, there's that feeling of having people that appreciate it that I don't get from, I mean, I love being a sound engineer. I, I like going on, on tours and um, I've done 500 shows with Jimmy Eat world. I've done maybe 200 shows with weird Al uh, Yankovic, a little less than 200, but, uh, and I love that. I love being a tech and I love being anonymous and not worrying about what I'm wearing that day and all the other things that as an artist, I have to worry about, you know, how fat am I? And are people going to make fun of my shoes or like all those other weird things that as an artist, you have to worry about, you know, I, I shouldn't get too political on Facebook because I'm going to upset somebody and then they're not going to buy our record or, you know, like all the different things that as an artist, you have to worry about. I love certain parts of being a tech but after a while, I get bored with that. I want to go back to rocking out and being in the spotlight and having attention, having people care what I say and interview me on a radio show. I mean, this is cool, you know. But if I did this a lot, I would miss the the technical stuff. And I'd also miss getting paid. <laughs> so, There's that too. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Like like when I'm working at that level for, for higher level bands, then then the actual pay when I'm on tour is, is pretty good. And, and so 
hopefully it'll make up for all the times that I'm unemployed in between tours. And, and that's a, like a roller coaster too. That's exciting. But I just decided that between tours, I would write songs rather than like try to get little, um, part-time jobs because there's always downtime, you know, you do a tour and then the artist is done and you have to find somebody else. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky and you get back to back bookings, but for the family, it's also good to be home for a while. So, you know, 10 foot pole is basically my songwriting at home project. And then hopefully I'll tour a little bit too. Awesome. Uh, correct. That was a correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure that we mention uh 10 foot pole.com T E N F O O T P O L E.com 10 foot pole. And um, we, we have a, a Patreon, like a fan club subscriber kind of situation, like for a dollar a month or, or more, if you want more benefits, there's a bunch of little benefits and silly stuff. But the main thing is just to be in touch with people. Like if people really want to support the band and want to hear new songs, um, that's a way to show support and also get some sweet benefits. But 10footpole.com has links to everything else and has uh, whatever new music is out, like Scars, there will be a link for Scars there and um, we have skate decks and things like that for sale. And I'm, I'm working on a new thing, a memorabilia page where I try to sell all my old shirts and old guitars and old amps and stuff. So sooner or later that'll show up too. Like, <laughs> I'm just mentioning that now because uh, I need to do some fundraising to help pay for that tour van um, while I'm unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. And what, what are these old shirts going to do for me out in the garage? But I saw Dan, Dan from 88 Fingers Louie sold a bunch of his old shirts and got really good money for him from some collectors. So nice. I figure, you know, I don't have a lot of stuff, but it's not doing me any good in the garage. Boom. And guitars make great art. Like, I, I love the look of a guitar hanging on the wall. So if somebody's a big fan of the band and they want to, like, go, go big, you know. <laughs> I mean, a skateboard deck makes nice art, too, but a guitar is really, like, yeah, be that, the only one on the only one in town that has a ten foot pole guitar on your wall. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Did I sell that hard enough? Yeah. I'm trying to make the trying to feed my kids and make the van payments. You're putting me down again, but it doesn't sound sincere. I'm hitting the ground again, and it stings you putting me here. I know you've been hurt a lot, and the pain lasts to this day. I think you feel so all to protect, but it's pushing me away. See you. 
fragile, broken heart With each wound you grew stronger A layer of armor, a shield that keeps me out Trusting air.